Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. We're glad you could join us for worship this morning. Please remember to sign the pew pads. And we will begin uh, with our extended prelude this morning.
Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Praises to the Lord with the lyre and the sound of the horn. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the floods clap their hands and let the hills sing together for joy. Sing a new song, O God, the marvelous things you have done. Let us worship the risen God. Thank you to Linda and Madison Ranslow for leading us in our call to worship this morning. Mother-daughter combinations are well worth celebrating. And happy Mother's Day to all. Please join me in the opening prayer of the day. O God of power and majesty, as the sea roars, your name is praised. Waves pounding the shore remind us of your grandeur. By your creative design, birds fly, fish swim, and creatures in the forests and meadows leap and run. All creation chants in praise of your plan for them. As you make our joy complete in the gift of your Son, Christ Jesus our Savior, we worship you with hearts, hands, and voices in songs of glad adoration. Amen. Good morning, my fellow sinners. We will now confess our sin corporally to God using these printed words. O God, hear our confession, for we still dwell in darkness. We are afflicted and crushed by a sense of inadequacy. When perplexed, we despair that there may be no hope. Persecution leaves us feeling forsaken. When foes strike us down, we assume we're destroyed. We hear that Christ resides like a compass within us. Transform our whole being so that we may live in truth. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is a child of God, and everyone who loves the parent loves the child. For this is the love of God, that we love 
By this we know that we love the children of God when we love the Lord and obey God's commandments. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Whoever overcomes the world, those who believe that Jesus is the Christ. And God's commandments are not burdensome. friends. And yes, get those bulletins fanning. It is warm in here. Oh my goodness. We will have the chillers turned on by the professionals on Monday. We lost power here last night. Oh, I know, I know. But it's back on and we've got the power. The chillers will come. And yes, Mr. Testa, please take your coat off. You'll notice that in the 830 worship service, Bruce and I divested ourselves of our robes. I felt like I was going to pass out. And you're being such the gentleman keeping your coat on. Don't take anything more off, folks. This is good. We have from Acts 10 and our history lesson of the church today an opportunity to hear that Peter has just shared the good news of Jesus Christ with the household of Cornelius, who's a Roman centurion, which means he's not Jewish, which means he's a Gentile, which means he's like us. So I invite you to hear God's continuing good word to each one of us. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited him to stay for several days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
fabulous, fabulous, fabulous job, guys. And as you are settling yourselves, I invite all of our other young people to come forward who haven't had a chance to sing with us this morning. A delightful Mother's Day to each and every one of you. I didn't scare you. Now it's my turn to scare you. Really? I'm not allowed to scare you, William? I can't scare you? I got you, Miss Oldfield. Sorry about that. But here's the thing. Unexpected things happen to us, don't they? We don't always have it in a script. We don't have life written out for us. Every parent knows that there is no instruction manual. Although some will try to say that the Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth, right? Most of the time, life is unexpected, isn't it? As a matter of fact, in our scripture for this morning... We had Peter talking to a bunch of people who were having the unexpected happen to them. Did you hear what happened? What did the Holy Spirit do? Did the Holy Spirit say, I'm going to baptize you. I'm going to baptize you. And I'm going to baptize all these other people who haven't been obeying all the laws that all of you good Jewish kids have been obeying. And the people were astounded. The unexpected happened. Well, we get to do something a little unexpected today. When we do baptisms, how old are the kids we normally baptize? Little, right? Babies? Babies. One, two, three, right? Not four. How about an an 11-year-old? Is it okay to baptize an 11-year-old? Yeah, it absolutely is. As a matter of fact, different people in our lovely Christianity have different ideas about when people should be baptized. Some people say that baby baptism or infant baptism is the way to go. Other people say you have to have what's known as a believer's baptism. You have to be old enough to make the decision for yourself to say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. It's a big deal, right? We're Presbyterian. We do it all. We believe that it's okay to baptize no matter the age and that God's grace will catch each one of us. And so we're going to invite in a second Paige and her family, those who love her, to come forward and we're going to baptize her. But what's that going to mean for her? Any ideas? Hmm. You know I've got an answer for you, right? You got an idea? Tell me. What is it, Mr. Genekaikis? Oh, you forgot. Okay. Well, here's, here's my idea. The word baptizo in Greek means a couple of different things. It, you speak Greek? Ooh. I'm impre- yes, you do. Oh, and you speak Chinese. Shishini. Good job, buddy. Me three? (laughs) Well, in Greek, baptizo means to wash. And that means that our sins are totally washed away. And that makes sense, right? Because there are all things that we've done or left undone, said or left unsaid. And it's nice to know that we are cleaned from all those things that we might do that are not pleasing to God or that separate us from God. But baptizo also has another sense. It means to dip. And one of the things that we can celebrate as Presbyterians who like to do things decently and in order, we don't tend to submerge people. We tend to sprinkle them or dip them into God's grace. 
Now, I don't know of any baby that we've ever baptized that would fit into this little one. They would be really, really tiny. But even more impossible for an 11-year-old, right? So we're going to dip Paige in God's grace as a reminder to each one of us that the Holy Spirit does unexpected things, that the Holy Spirit is here to love us and to dip us in God's grace so that we can walk around with that confidence of the children of God. You guys want to help me out today? Mr. Genekaikis, what was your question? It is holy water, but here's the thing. It's ordinary water used to accomplish extraordinary things. It's plain old water. Thank you, Mr. Johnson, for giving me plain old water. Go ahead and dip your fingers in it. You, can, you want to drink it? I'm thirsty too, but no, we're not going to drink this. You want to touch it? It's just plain old water. Anybody else want to touch it? But it's extraordinary things that it's going to accomplish. So while, while I'm letting the kids touch the water... Paige, would you and those who love you come on forward, sweetheart? And Mr. Johnson, would you come introduce us to Miss De Pasquale? It's real water. It's ordinary water, but it's going to accomplish extraordinary things through the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool? Go ahead. Mr. Johnson, who do we have today? Okay, on behalf of the session, I present Paige and De Pasquale daughter of Jonah and Carrie Straw di Pasquale, to receive the sacrament of baptism. Hello, gorgeous. This is a big deal for you today. And so you bring your mom, your dad, your stepmom, your family, your aunt, your cousins. This is great. Come on forward. Everybody come on forward. We can make a... Miss Maddie, would you mind scooting just a little bit so we can get the rest of the di Pasquales up here? Come on up, guys. This water that I've just poured into this cute little font reminds us of the chaotic waters at creation. It reminds us of the waters through which the Israelites passed so that they could escape the Egyptians. And finally, it reminds us of the waters in which Jesus himself was baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. Now, very good question from Mr. Genekaikis. It's ordinary water, but we're going to accomplish extraordinary things. So we have these questions for you, my dear. Who's your Lord and Savior? Do you trust in him, do you? And will you promise, through prayer and example, to follow Jesus Christ, will you? Excellent. Questions for the congregation? Would the congregation please stand? Do you, the members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide and nurture Paige and De Pasquale by word and deed, with love and prayer, encouraging her to know and follow Christ and to be a faithful member of his church. Do you? Most excellent. Doesn't that feel good? It's hot today. Does everybody else want to be baptized? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Paige, thank you for giving us this excuse and this joy of baptizing you. I baptize you, Ms. Paige Andy Pasquale, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And may that same spirit rest on you and guide you all of your days. Amen. Now you have quite the entourage here, which is a good thing, because we're going to need them to carry out all of your presence. First, we're going to pray for you and your family, and then we're going to give your, fam- your extended family all the things that are going to mark this special day. Mr. Johnson. Okay. Ever-living God, 
In your mercy, you promised to be not only our God, but also the God of our children. We thank you for receiving Paige Ann by baptism. Keep her always in your love. Guide her as she grows in faith. Protect her in all the dangers and temptations of life. Bring her to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and be his faithful disciple to her life's end. Gracious God, giver of all life, we also pray for her parents, Jonah and Carrie. Give them wisdom and patience to guide their children in the way of Jesus Christ and the faith of the Church. Let your peace and joy dwell in their homes and their family lives may be instructed by faith, strengthened by prayer, and governed by love. Strengthen them in their own baptism, that they may rejoice as children of God and serve you faithfully. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. This reading from 1 John should feel a little bit like deja vu all over again. Listen for the word of God. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the parent loves the child. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For the love of God is this, that we obey his commandments And his commandments are not burdensome, for whatever is born of God conquers the world, and this is the victory that conquers the world, our faith. Who is it that conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not with the water only, but with the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one that testifies, for the Spirit is the truth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Our gospel lesson for today is taken from John 15. We read 1 through 8 last week, and we continue as Jesus speaks God's words of love to each one of us. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servant any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friend because I have made known to you everything that I have ever heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Right on cue, he walks back into the sanctuary. Today I get to celebrate... Rather, on Tuesday, I get to celebrate 15 years of marriage with Bill, and I give thanks and praise for that. But I know that it pales in comparison with people like Tom and Judy Hughes, who in December of 2014 celebrated 65 years of glorious marriage together. Or Jack and Mary Jo Holtz, or George and Ginny Cooper, who've celebrated 63 years respectively. Or any of you who have also celebrated a life's bond for much longer than 15 years. But I do give thanks for God having laid Bill in my path. And I'm absolutely convinced that God gave me Bill because I finally woke up to what God was trying to say to me. And many of you may have found this same joy. It is my hope and prayer that at some point in each one of our lives, we might know that we are loved so completely that we cannot have any fear. When couples ask me to officiate their wedding, it is a joyous occasion. We come together, we undergo a period of mutual discernment where we talk about things theological, biblical, and practical. We talk about practical choices like what scriptures are they going to have? Will there be music during the wedding worship service other than the processional and the recessional? Will there be readers? Will there be attendants? Will they choose to have a unity candle? Might there be a photographer, videographer, flowers, and even rings? One or two, or none at all. And I love talking about the rings because it gives me a chance to talk about the platinum rule. You know it, right? Blank stares. Well, you know the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Well, maybe you haven't heard of the platinum rule, but maybe you've heard of the wooden nickel rule. Do unto others before they do it to you, right? The platinum rule says this, and it comes right out of John 15 as we read for today. Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, than that one lays down one's life for one's friends. Jesus has loved us with this extraordinary love, just like Ordinary things like water become extraordinary. Jesus' love is this agape love that you hear people talking about from the Greek word for love, agape. This love is a love that values the other person and their relationship with you as much, if not more than, 
how we value ourselves and our own relationships. So that sounds like quite a high mark. What does this love look like in our own day-to-day lives? Well, the agape love to which Jesus calls us accepts one another just as I am without one plea. The agape love to which Jesus calls us is love divine, all loves excelling. The agape love to which Jesus calls us gives us peace like a river, I've got peace like a river. And the agape love to which Jesus calls us is amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Okay, Pat, you have a huge grin on your face. The agape love to which Jesus calls us is something else, another great hymn. Can you fill in the blank, friends? That agape love is that which flows through us, that is a part of our being, that cares so much for us that we're able to care for one another. Paul writes that in Christ we are no longer Jew or Greek, male or female. We are given God's grace equally, and we are one in Christ Jesus. The unity that we have in Christ reflects the paradoxical relationship that God has with God's own self. As a matter of fact, we hear about it in Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. Now, I want to borrow from the biblical scholar Walter Brueggemann. You've read him, Laura Bachman, yes, a few times. Walter Brueggemann says that being made in God's image means that we are made to be in relationship with one another and with God just as God is in relationship with God's self. Why else would the Hebrew translate Besalmenu as our image, not my image, our image, or Besaltenu as our likeness, not his likeness or her likeness, our likeness. You see, God's multifaceted, multidimensional selves were present before creation, and God was in relationship with God's self. God made us in God's image as one of a multitude. And God made us in God's image to be a life-giving source of this relationship with this multitude around us. Both in the beginnings, in Genesis and in John, affirm this idea that we are to be in relationship with God and with one another. John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, meaning Jesus, was in the beginning. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. We're made to be in relationship, and that's what defines us as human beings. And we thought being made in God's image meant that we had opposing thumbs and the ability to reason. Je suis, donc je suis, right? I think, therefore I am. Since we are made in God's image, God has enabled us to live by the platinum rule, of which Jesus speaks in today's gospel. Loving one another as Jesus has loved us is quite a high standard, higher even than the golden rule. All we have to do is look at the timing of when Jesus delivers this message to understand why it means so much. You see, he says this to his friends the night that he's betrayed, the day before his death. They're about to run away as soldiers overtake them, 
And Peter, upon whom Jesus was going to build his church, is about to deny him three times. Seems like a sorry and sordid group of so-called friends whom Jesus is calling upon to love him and to love each other. But the important point, I think, here is that Jesus is calling us to look at a new kind of love. Not just a love that satisfies our own wants and desires, but looks to satisfy the, the desires as other people would have them from Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know that any one of us is up to that standard. But Jesus has so loved his friends and so radically acted out his love in the world that he's about to be crucified as a threat to the Roman Empire and certainly to the religious establishment of his day. This is the man who, just days before the Last Supper, rode into Jerusalem triumphantly on a donkey, or so we have become to believe, and then he's shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus overturns the money changers' tables in the temple, saying that they had made this sacred place a den of robbers. He preached against the scribes and Pharisees. He called them hypocrites. He claimed they, had, they locked people out of the kingdom of heaven, and they did disastrous things to them right here on earth by denying them justice, mercy, and good faith. Jesus said that the mighty would be brought low, the lowly should be fed and given drink, the stranger would be welcomed, and the prisoners would be visited in jail. Those were brave and powerful words and actions way back then, and they're equally brave and powerful words now. All we have to do is think about those who were unfairly incarcerated. Jesus saw that all he said and did is an expression of true love. That's what he expected of his disciples then, and believe it or not, that's what he expects of us now. Perhaps one of the best modern exemplars of this agape, self-giving love is Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. He lived and died trying to manifest this radical form of love to which Jesus has called us. You might remember how he put it in the sermon that he delivered the night before he was assassinated. He said, Now we're going to march again. For when people get caught up with that which is right and they are willing to sacrifice for it, there is no stopping, short of the point of victory. We need all of you. Let us develop a kind of dangerous unselfishness. The question is not, if I stop to help this man in need, what will happen to me? The question, rather, is, if I do not stop to help the sanitation workers, what will happen to them? Now, I had heard about some rumors against my own life. What would happen to me? Well, like anybody... I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will, not fearing any person. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. You see, King said more than once that we're not fully alive unless we've found something for which we're willing to die. In his book, The Strength to Love, he directly confronted the fear of, of death, quoting the first letter of John. There is no fear in love, for perfect love casts out fear. Now, the reality is, friends, that most of us aren't Martin Luther King Juniors. But how can we, realistically, in our own daily lives, understand the practice of this new commandment of love about which Jesus is speaking? 
But we have a great example for us, and that is in today's example of Mother's Day. Many mothers will say, without hesitation, that they will lay down their lives for their children. And many fathers as well. It's that kind of agape love, and it meets King's test of being fully alive. But let's not stop there. Let's think about other kinds of love. I recently had the privilege of conducting a wedding in which the couple asked for today's scripture passage from John to be read. And so we were able to say to them again, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now when I asked Tom and Judy Hughes how they made it through 65 years, they gratefully and happily said, I'm thankful for this person that I know to be my best gift, and I am willing to do anything and everything for him or for her. It's that kind of agape love to which Jesus calls us and in which we can take hope, as Martin Luther King Jr. also set out that example for us. So it seems that we have parent love and partner love as two ripples on their way out in the pond from Jesus dropping that stone of agape love. Well, let's go further. What's the next ripple out? What about friends who are not family members? Some of you might remember a story that you were taught in grammar school about Damon and Pythias. Damon and Pythias were friends in the Sicilian city-state of Syracuse. Now, that's not an hour away from us. It's not Go Big Orange. This is Syracuse in the Mediterranean. And Damon and Pythias were such good friends that even when Pythias protested the governor of the day, so much so that he was charged with treason and with death, he said to the governor, wait, I know you're going to kill me, and I willingly will submit to that, but before you do, please allow me the time to go back to my home to kiss my wife, set my affairs in order, and say goodbye to my children. The king scoffed at him and said, yeah, right, you're not coming back. Pythias said, I will. And to prove it, his friend Damon said, I trust him so much that I will stay in your jail waiting his return. So Pythias went off. Damon was in the jail. You know, that king took great pleasure in going back down to the jail and visiting Damon, taunting him. Your friend's not here yet, is he? The day of the execution approached. Your friend's not here yet, is he? The day of the execution came. Damon was led out to the chopping block. Pythias was not there. At the very last minute, he arrived saying, Stop! Please, know that I'm here and ready to submit to the punishment. I was waylaid with a shipwreck and then later robbers, but I'm here today. The king was so astounded at Pythias's faithfulness and Damon's willingness and trust in his friend that he released them both. That is another level of that kind of agape love, that ripple effect that comes out from Jesus' dropping a pebble in the pond of our lives. Now we know that there are these ripples. So if any of us has these kinds of friendships, our set of people to fulfill Jesus' platinum rule has now increased. Will we be ready to follow a new Martin Luther King Jr. who calls us to love even our enemies unto death? Will we be ready to put our lives nonviolently on the line 
to promote peace and justice for all? Professor Houston Smith, when writing his best-selling book, The World's Religions, has chapters on Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. And he finds that Christianity's unique contribution is just this platinum rule that we've been talking about. As Smith writes, conventional love is evoked by lovable qualities of the beloved, but the love people encountered in Christ embraced sinners and outcasts, Samaritans and enemies. It gave not prudentially in order to receive, but because giving was its very nature. Smith points out that this kind of love dramatically reduces Christians' fears. Because if we know that we can give that sacrificially and that others will do the same thing for us, we don't have to be afraid, not even of death. That love will conquer all fears. So it's my fervent prayer for us this day that each of us have had an opportunity to celebrate mother's love, recognizing how wide and deep good parents' love can be. That each of us has already, or at some point in our lives, experiencing a partner kind of love, that next ripple out. And that at some point in our lives, each one of us has had a friendship love on the, lo- on the level of Damon and Pythias. And then here's my even deeper prayer. That each of us will keep trying to expand those ripples of love. To include the hungry and the thirsty the alien and the homeless, the sick and the imprisoned. For it's only by our willingness ultimately to lose our own lives that we celebrate with joy, having gained them. Amen. Grateful for faithful preaching, we use this prayer. O God, as the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard your word, so fill us as we come before you in response to Christ's gift of love. By your Spirit, enable us to bear fruit and overcome the world with our faith. Accept our gifts as the first signs of a bountiful harvest and our commitment to labor on behalf of all your children. Through our work, may they be led to believe in your word. Amen.
Please be seated, friends. Bruce, I know you have a prayer request for us, sir. I've got several, Carrie. I'm going to put these right here. And um, I told congregation at the first service, sometimes I'm very forgetful. And I learned a lesson very early on when you're newly minted from theological education. You get these wise old pastors and they say, memorize some scripture for whenever you don't know what else to say, you can always give scripture. Well, the pastor I knew um, memorized scripture. And then there he was at a wedding and a couple were in front of him and he forgot what he was supposed to say. He remembered memorized scripture. The problem was the only text that he could recall was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to introduce Hans to you. Hans, stand up. This is Hans Myers. He spent the night in our building. That's why he knows the power came on at 3.30. And and Hans kind of has traveled all over the United States. You were here once before, about a year at gear. Yeah. And um, Hans has his bicycle. It's a recumbent. He'll be happy to show it to you. Uh, it, the bicycle's named Alice, and she's kind of been refurbished. Hans, how far have you traveled? Total? Yeah, you know? Over two or th- almost 234,500 miles the past 22 years. On bicycle. And what trip is this one? This is trip number 46. Yeah, and if you want to find out about Hans... He has a website. I think it's pedalprayers.com? Pedalprayers.org. .org. Pedalprayers.org, and you can find out about Hans. And, and this is trip number what? 46. I started from uh, North Central Florida around Acala, March 25th, and I rode up to Maine, and from Maine, I left Kittery, Maine, April 25th. Now I'm heading towards Ohio, and then the Plain States, and maybe the eastern part of Colorado. And about how many congregations have you spoken in, Hans? This is my eighth, seventh or eighth church this year. Last year, 60 in all, around 1,000 so far the past 22 years. Yeah. So Hans is kind of a missionary of sorts. I thought you might want to meet him. Uh, He'll be headed out, and you'll find him in the narthex. And nobody's supposed to get on, Alice, but you'll be happy to show her to everyone, right? Yeah. Hans, we're glad that you're here. It announced to us that it's the Sweatman's anniversary today, so praise and thanksgiving for that. Muriel Nothard wants us to know that they have a new granddaughter, Hannah Joan Smith, born 5515. And some of us have been concerned about um, the Osborne family. Uh, Devin and Donna were in a serious automobile accident, and um, Devin was killed. And Donna was in a hospital in Syracuse, but she has returned home. You know that, Carrie. And we need to remember them. Um, uh, Donna has a broken ribs, but uh, she's recovering, and, and we praise God that she lives. But it's going to be a difficult time for them. And I know you have several other prayer concerns to share.
Thank you, Sweatmans, for the beautiful flowers. The heat has taken their toll, but they are as beautiful as your love and continuing to show us that. We're also thankful for graduations this weekend. Choir got the, sun the Sunday off because James and everybody else is celebrating Nazareth's graduation today. And do you all remember Jennifer Pete, right? Little Jennifer Pete. She graduated from college yesterday. We also give thanks and praise that Todd Peterson, the eldest of the Peterson boys, became Dr. Todd Peterson yesterday, and he was in 830 worship with us this morning. And Suzanne Crowley also has graduated this weekend, and she's very excited about that. So congratulations to her. We have a birthday in the Brown family. So Ray is 80 years old. Congratulations. And so good to have you, Mr. Brown, enjoying for your, for your dad. Congratulations and welcome. We also give thanks and praise that healing comes to us in many different forms. Marty Souter fell and hurt himself, but is re, uh, rehabilitating at the friendly home. And we've had a couple of it's, as, it's as, as if the Travis family has not had enough going on. So, Kelly, we're with your mom as she recovers from the fire. We're thankful that your brother was there and able to get both of them out safely and that you all were able to visit them this weekend and do so much to help them. And we give thanks and praise that your brother-in-law got the job that, he, that we had been praying for and starts on Monday. So there can be some counterbalance to all the things for which we've been praying for you. We are also in prayer for Ginny Allen who has been homebound for some time and is in facing increasing pain. She gives thanks and praise for this congregation because she knows that the prayers have continued to sustain her. Friends, please join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, you speak and the earth responds with sounds of thanksgiving. You act and the nations attest to your victory. We thank you for your word that teaches us to trust in you. We thank you for your actions and the promises you fulfill. For Christ Jesus, whose sacrifice restores us to goodness because of your mercy. For the Holy Spirit, whose guidance enables us to seek justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with you. We pray for those who wonder when justice will come to them. They cry out for equity, but their pleas go unheard. As you brought vindication to the Israelites when those rose against them, bring a sense of your justice to those who are wronged and misused. Give us compassion to stand with them, courage to speak on their behalf, and commitment to work for change in those systems that work against them. We give thanks for all those who show your love. There are the saints in Christ's household who glide gracefully from chore to chore. Bestow upon them a measure of strength to match their diligence. Reward them with a sense of accomplishment equal to their level of patience. Forbid, O oh God, that we should ever take them for granted. We pray for all brothers and sisters who seek to walk humbly with you. Help us support one another in the quest to live simply. Guide us to note afresh the many blessings you give us. In all that we do together, hear our shouts of thanksgiving. We pray all this and more in the words that your son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
God's agape love abounds. Go, enjoy it, and share it. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with each and every one of us this day and forevermore. Amen.